0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: You just run out of time in a day and you forget a lot of things and, and uh, it's, it's really helped me just kind of capture everything and I can do it on the move. I don't have to sit down and make notes and write notes and try to plug it into another program.
0: Good afternoon and happy Tuesday from the Ag News Daily podcast. I, just before we started recording here, thought that it was Wednesday. So Delaney had to remind me that we're not that far into the week yet.
2: No, we're certainly not yet, Ashton. It's only Tuesday, Tech Tuesday, as a matter of fact. We're chatting with Performance LifeBuck Analytics, the producer there that uses the system technology here coming up pretty soon. But yes, it is just Tuesday. I also thought it was later in the week myself.
0: Well, Delaney, I guess that I'm just all over the place because we had a couple of different reports come out today. So my brain is just a little bit fuzzy from trying to digest all these numbers.
2: We certainly did. We had the big two today, crop progress slash harvest progress. And more importantly, we had the WASD report, Ashton. Let's maybe go ahead and start there. What do you say? Let's do it. Well, let's kick things off here first with the WASD report then, because that, of course, came out today at 11 a.m. Central Time. And of course, On some market excitement for today, but was pretty close in line from what I can tell to analyst expectations. So, definitely pretty bearish for the corn and soybean side of things, pretty bullish on the wheat side of things. But the report today raised the outlook for corn production as well as corn ending stocks and also did increase estimated exports. However, the big one here is that. While a lot of analysts were expecting corn production to be cut yield-wise in this report, we actually saw production increase to a 176.5 bushels per acre, and that pushed production numbers up about 23 million bushels. We also saw total corn supplies raised about 72 million bushels from last month due to the higher production and increased beginning stocks. On the soybean side of things, production estimates were also raised, but so much so that it really played a big role in today's market prices. Overall, we saw the increase in bushels per acre as far as yield productions go about, not quite just shy of a whole bushel per acre increased from the September report. And I think this falls in line, Ashen, pretty nicely with what we've been hearing from folks is that, well, maybe a little bit varied on the corn side, you know, a lot of analysts, like I said, were expecting to see this corn yield actually come down due to numbers coming out of the fields and soybeans to increase, but we, both, we saw both corn and soybean numbers increase from a yield perspective. So certainly not super bullish there, but on the wheat side of things, we saw a drop in supplies. We saw actually a slight drop in domestic use and also a drop in ending stocks. So overall, that was seen as pretty, pretty bullish here for the wheat markets and was in line with what we were expecting to see. Well, Delaney, like you said there, we also had crop progress
0: come out for this week. And for the U.S. corn crop, we're sitting at 41% harvested. And for our soybean crop, we're at 49% harvested. So just kind of getting to that halfway point here.
2: Yeah, we certainly are. And I think it's going to be interesting to see as we trickle through harvest here. You know, we got quite a bit of rain, Ashton, over the the good swath of the Midwest this week. You know, yesterday, the day before, some folks are getting some rain today. So that's definitely going to slow things up a little bit. Interesting to see how next next week's report comes out. But more importantly, it's going to be interesting to see how yield numbers come out and whether or not those numbers we saw on the WASI report today will be indicative of what's coming out of the field.
0: Well, Delaney, I want to kick things over here talking about some news coming from the Biden administration concerning our pork plants. The Biden administration is considering a proposal that would allow some pork plants to slaughter pigs more quickly if they boost staffing. The proposal put forward by quality pork processors and union officials could benefit companies like Smithfield Foods and JBS. Faster slaughtering would help them increase pork production at a time of high demand and increased prices, particularly in bacon. But there's kind of a a weird toss-up here. If we increase these line speeds, what are the concerns here about worker safety? So we're seeing kind of a, a weird ground right now because we haven't heard anything from OSHA the USDA. um, We've really just heard about this possibility of this proposal. The quality pork processors also did not respond for requests for comment. But if... These pork plants could get an increased number of staff. They could increase the speed to which their pork lines or their processing lines are going. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. If the workers are actually going to want to do this, because at this moment, they've been working, you know, six days a week just because of the capacity that we have mm-hmm. been at. And so I am, um, I am not sure how this will go.
2: Yeah, and I just want to add to that story just a tiny bit, Ashton, you hit the nail on the head there with quality pork processors pushing this proposal through. And actually last week, Secretary Tom Vilsack said said that the USDA was actually considering this proposal and indicated that they could create a structure for the plan and create some waivers for at least five other facilities that received waivers under the rule in 2019 and National Pork Producer Council said that the industry lost about two and a half percent of slaughtering capacity since the federal decision to overturn that rule was pushed through by a federal judge back in March. So certainly could be an interesting dynamic here. I don't fully understand, Ash, and I haven't looked enough into it as far as how these waivers are grounded. Obviously, it is largely tied to staffing, but I don't know what the requirements are as far as proving for staffing or what a company processing company would have to do to be granted this waiver. But it's definitely a story we'll have to keep an eye out on.
0: Absolutely, Delaney, we will. But what other news do you have for us today?
2: Well, as we're talking USDA here, I also wanted to make mention today of a new government USDA program that is investing $10 million in a new initiative to sample, measure, and monitor soil carbon on CRP acres. To what USDA says, quote, better quantify the climate outcomes of the program, which of course CRP is a largely used national tool that a lot of farmers and private landowners use to facilitate some additional payments here and there. But this initiative in particular will begin implementation this fall with three different partners. And so those three partners really, in what it sounds like here is they will conduct, like I said, soil sampling, soil carbon sampling, basically in three categories of CRP practice types. They're going to be doing this on perennial grasses, trees, and wetlands to start to see how this goes and maybe potentially roll it out to more CRP acres and potentially farmland acres in the near future. This press release that I'm reading, Ashton, doesn't give a ton of clarity on how they will go about measuring carbon and evaluating that. But that is a new program that was just released today.
0: Well, Delaney, I have some interesting news talking about climate mitigation and what we could, or I say we, what our producers could be paid by the acre. There has been talk that lawmakers are trying to add $2 billion to $3 billion a year to USDA conservation programs. And now a coalition of farmers and ag groups Named the Rural Investment to Protect Our Environment, otherwise known as RIPE, says that the price tag for climate mitigation on the farm should be much higher, more towards $100 per acre or $40 billion a year when fully implemented. Their proposal, which is called the RIPE 100, would amount to three times more than the USDA currently pays farmers who practice soil, water, and wildlife stewardship on working lands. And if our listeners want to know a little bit more about the RIPE 100 plan, because it's very interesting. It's a, a two-phase process that they're trying to put into place. And this policy is pretty interesting. So you can go to riperoadmap.org if you want to learn a little bit more about how this is trying to be implemented and how farmers can get paid um, you can go to their website and they say that 76% of farmers supports a climate policy that pays $100 per acre. And if their evidence is correct, then that's a whole lot more money than the USDA is paying farmers right now.
2: Yeah, it certainly is. So that's definitely potentially a good way to help with cash flow and making sure your dollar goes a little bit further. But actually speaking of your dollar going a little bit further... A lot of farmers have a little extra jingle in their pocket as we've seen commodity prices finally in an upswing here, so much so that equipment sales have been very strong through the month of September. The Association of Equipment Manufacturers on Monday released their monthly tractor and self-propelled combine sales report for the month of September. And the good news from that report was combine sales if you are an equipment dealer. For this past September, unit sales of combines are up 34.6% compared to combine sales a year ago and manufacturers reported 848 units sold last month compared to just 630 units sold in 2020. So we're seeing a lot of farmers swap out that equipment for new or new and or new to them equipment. Small combine sales, or excuse me, small equipment sales, small tractor sales were largely down across the board. And so it seems really this trend has been continuing with mostly those tractors over 40 horsepower and larger, um, and well as, as well as large combines. So now is an interesting time in agriculture, of course, as we do see increased fertilizer costs, we see increased feed costs. We are seeing increased equipment costs. And of course, as we continue to watch these crazy land sales, Ashton, we're seeing everything across the board is now finally following suit to where commodity markets are at. It appears that trend is here.
0: While we're on the topic of equipment, Delaney, I have an interesting announcement here as clear flame engine technologies has come out with a new modified diesel engine that's capable of running on any decarbonized liquid fuel. They're expected to significantly increase demand for corn ethanol. So it's pretty interesting the way that they have come out with this technology. Of course, this would be a new market for corn ethanol, like I said there, would increase demand. So I think it's pretty interesting. And the CEO and co-founder of Clear Flame, BJ Johnson, says that funding from corn checkoff programs in Illinois, Iowa, and Kansas will help them do an initial truck demonstration on their Cummins X-15 engine later this year and then expand to another engine line for ag equipment. So this could be potentially some good news for truckers out there for the ag sector from both a ethanol standpoint and just an interesting standpoint when it comes to ag equipment.
2: Yeah, certainly is Ashton. But I tell you what, I don't uh, have any other news for today. I don't think so. What do you say we hop over and chat markets? Before
0: we get into the markets, Delaney, of
2: course, it is a Tech
0: Tuesday episode, and this Tech Tuesday is sponsored by Performance Beef. Performance Beef users have quick access to real-time accurate data. The technology simplifies feeding to financial data, making it easy to generate real-time closeouts, update rations, or analyze performance trends all in one place. Your feed, financial, and health information are integrated in one easy-to-use platform, accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to learn more and request a demo. But With that, Delaney, I am ready to hear how the markets ended for today.
2: Fantastic. Well, as I mentioned, not so exciting in the markets today. We definitely had a little bit of a bloodbath today as the bearish wide report dropped and proved to be a little bit more bearish than maybe analysts were expecting. December corn today closed down ten and a half cents to end at five twenty-two and a half. The March contract down ten and a quarter to close at five thirty-two on the nose. In the sweeping pit today, the November contract down 30 cents to end at 1189 and a quarter, the January down 29 and three quarter cents to close at 1210. Wheat, as I mentioned, got a bullish report today, which pushed all markets higher across the wheat complex, kicking things up here in the December Chicago contract up two and a quarter cents to close at 734. The March up a penny and three-quarters to close at 747 and a quarter. Moving over into the livestock markets today, we got some mixed trade in the protein markets as cattle were mixed as well as lean hogs. December, live cattle down 92.5 cents today to close at 129.25. The February down 62.5 cents to close at 134.25. And in feeder cattle, they were higher today as the November contract added 7.5 cents to close at 161.80. The January up 67.5 cents to close at 162.77.5. As I mentioned, lean hogs were showing some weakness today with the December contract cutting $2, ending the day at $78.17 and a half. February shed $1.82.5 and a half to close at $81.25. And lastly, wrapping things up here in the Class 3 Dairy Milk Futures. November cutting $0.04 cents today to end at $18.78. The D's up 8 to close at $18.41. Ashton, without further ado, let's kick it over today's interview with Performance Livestock
3: Analytics. Well, for today's hashtag Tech Tuesday interview, we are, of course, sponsored today by Performance Livestock Analytics, chatting with another one of their fantastic customers about the beef industry and technology within that industry. Chatting today with Greg Williams, a beef producer in northeastern Oklahoma. Greg, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Uh, Pleasure to be here.
3: So, Greg, let's talk about your operation. You obviously are a livestock farmer. But tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Um, we're in the stalker or stalker operation. Um, we buy, uh, say, a six, uh, a five to six hundred pounder uh, slash bull slash steer um, and make him weigh eight or nine. Um, basically, try to use grass and grain and a feed truck to just uh, make our cost of gain as cheap as possible and, uh, and get them set up for a feed yard.
3: So Greg, when you're done with them, do you work with one feed yard primarily or how do you go about moving them on to the next phase of their life?
1: Uh I just uh I have a list of guys where I just call and uh try to get the best price for them and they uh they typically head to a feed yard. I've 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 went to uh four or five different feed yards over the last four or five years. Um kind of whoever gives you the most money, so to speak. hmm
3: and I know that uh, Oklahoma is a big livestock state in general, but talk to us a little bit more about your neck of the woods there in northeastern Oklahoma. Is it a large cattle area?
1: A very large cattle area. A lot of cow-calf pairs, uh, a, a few stalker. I say a few. There's there's quite a few stalker operators in our country. Uh, there's basically no feedlot. Um, where it's extremely too wet. Not right now but it's it's just too wet, uh, too muddy to have too many, uh, cattle pinned up. Um, we use, we utilize a lot of grasses. We have a lot of green grass and fescue. Um, uh, we, we use the grass when we feed a lot. Um, it's kind of a high rotational kind of country, so to speak. Um, try to utilize grass and feed and, uh, and, uh, I think our average rainfall is pretty high. Uh, I think we got like thirty-five, forty-five inches oh, wow. last year
3: mm-hmm. before it
1: stopped. So, but it's a lot of a lot of improved grasses. Um, just we try to use utilize the grass as much as possible and uh, and feed and too and try to capitalize on grass and and feed for the large for the big game.
3: Now, I know that with that being said, that type of thing can be a little tricky to keep track of as far as what you're feeding, especially if you're, you know, doing grazing type of uh, purposes for your livestock. How do you keep track of all that stuff?
1: Uh, I use, I mean, I guess we, we use performance beef here. Um, We just have, I think uh, we're like an 800 acre place and I have like 13 different pastures. So basically you know i'll figure uh, i'll figure all my fertilizer costs in and and all my other costs into a yardage cost which and which simplifies what my fertilizer cost is my my i call it a yardage so so it'd be like fertilizer labor maintenance and my mortgage costs what my grass costs then i actually have a feed cost on top of that uh, performance fees really help me there. It's, as far as that goes, I can keep track of that yardage and capture that yardage where I'm not on pen and paper anymore.
3: And so what made you decide to transition to using performance beef in the first place? Cause I know a lot of guys still use the pen and paper method and that works, but what made you decide to make that move?
1: Uh, I could never get it all on pen and paper, so to speak. When you got a couple guys that are working for you and you're running you know, you're running, you're trying to start 15, 1600 head in 30 days. Uh, you just run out of time in a day and you forget a lot of things. And, and uh, it, it's really helped me just kind of capture everything and I can do it on the move. I don't have to sit down and make notes and write notes and try to plug it into another program that I had to create because I, I didn't have another program. Uh, it's, it's, it's helped me tremendously just to be able to do this stuff on the move. And it saved a lot of time on the computer before I had to be on the computer just to get it all plugged in. Now I just like to be on the computer just because it's at my fingertips and I enjoy looking at it and how it's set up. And I can, you know, I can look at, I can see where my break evens are at on a daily basis. Um, I can see what my feed cost is on a daily basis. I don't have to figure it up every time I want to do it Mm -hmm. or it's, 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 it's helped me tremendously.
3: So Greg, how long have you been using the performance beef system?
1: I think it's been two years. A short story. I had a guy used to work for me and, uh, he, he, he quit in April one and I just started the program and, uh, then he, he's back again, back working for me, which it's not a bad deal at all. It's a great deal. I'm glad he's back. And he, he picked right up on the program and just started using it again like he he didn't have to reteach himself so to speak he didn't he's anybody can jump in there and run that
3: okay really now i gotta easy. ask though greg how old are you and how old was the age of the worker that jumped right back in and used it because you know that's a common question and common uh, i think barrier I'm 30
1: i'm 35 i think yes i'm 35 <laughs> uh he, he's younger than me he's uh he's okay. 30 I know that doesn't really help much. I, I guess it would sound better if you were 65. But
3: <laughs> So it's it sounds though like, and that's been a common theme that we've heard from lots of producers that use the technology is that it is super easy to set up any age group of person, anyone with any sort of technological challenges or experiences, everyone really is able to use this platform. And so with that being said, you know, what changes, you, you've kind of alluded to these, but what changes really when you get down to the nitty gritty, have you actually seen using this technology?
1: Changes in my operation, it's it's, it's helped me hands down in so many ways. Uh, it keeps, you can keep an inventory. So like, for instance, you know, say last month, I was really interested in how many loads of corn I used. So... I work with a farmer close here and I buy corn from him. Well, I could go in and, 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 and look at that and see how much corn I use so I can go back and actually, all right, I need so many loads of corn. When he's asking me, he's like, how much do you want this year? Well, I used this last year so I can go back and do that. Um, and as far as the, I don't use the animal health side yet. Uh, I might get there someday, but it's helped me a lot where, uh, I can keep, I keep so much better track of those retreats and those pulls, um, and what I gave them and how much I gave them. It's helped me uh, hands down, helped me there the most with, with outside of keeping track of my, just my average, my break, even on a daily basis. Um, I really know where I'm setting all the time. And as far, I mean, from a technical standpoint, a technology standpoint, I, I really, I, I just, I can pull my phone out of pocket and I know, it I know, I know where I'm at. That, that just, that is hands down the best thing about the whole thing. I don't even have to go to a computer. I can just pull my phone out or an iPad, whatever I'm, whatever a vehicle I'm setting in at the time. I, I just, it's, it's, it's all right there on one thing. If you'll just hit that report page, I mean, you can plug in a different set of cattle I like to keep track of it too. And I also keep track of my, so I have two order buyers. I have three or I have three or four order buyers. I keep track on them on like how many cattle I've lost and how many cattle uh, they bought and I've lost or they bought and I retreated or I treated twice. Um, I really keep tabs on them pretty well. It kind of keeps them honest. Uh, It really helps me do that.
3: So since your time in the industry, what changes have you seen from a technology perspective?
1: I was kind of stone age when I first started. I mean, I was still pen and paper and, and I shouldn't have been at my age. I should have been a little more proactive. i say pen and paper slash uh, an Excel spreadsheet. Um, oh, technology has changed so much, especially when I changed the program. Um, I. it's night and day different like if you don't know what your inputs are you're behind and this technology the performance beef technology uh, is has helped has helped it help everyone i know on it um so so much
3: i guess lastly here to kind of wrap things up change is hard we all know that um and especially adopting something like technology, when there's kind of a question mark about how to do it and if it's going to work for your operation. But what advice or recommendation do you have for others looking to use technology to improve their operation?
1: Get a hold of it and run with it, because we're not we're not going to go backwards. We're just gonna it's going to keep going and keep going, and we're going to keep using technology. So just get a hold of it and run with it. And if you're thinking about switching to performance beef, just do it. If you're in the stocker business or even the cow-calf business, just do it. Um, especially if you do it for a living. Um, I mean, 90 I'd say 99% of the farmers and ranchers out there probably have a credit line or owe a bank something. So you, you better start using your technology, the things that you can get a hold of, uh, to know where you're at.
3: Fantastic. That's great advice. I love that. Just jump right in. Try something new. Awesome. Well, it's been really great getting to chat with you, Greg. Certainly appreciate you coming on the podcast today.
1: I greatly appreciate it. I hope hope it was good enough.
2: Well, again, a big thank you there to Greg. Certainly interesting to hear about livestock farming in different parts of the country as well as how technology really has changed and shaped a lot of operations ashton
0: absolutely delaney and we will continue having conversations like this on the ag news daily podcast so folks be sure to tune in at agnewsdaily.com and while you're at it follow us on facebook twitter and instagram
2: at agnewsdaily with that delaney should we let the people go let's let them go